How does the Minka Fitzpatrick extension impact Jesse Bates? And how do teams throughout the NFL value the safety position? All that and more in today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Allstriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day or free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is we covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we're back here with another Monday edition, and it's going to be a jam packed one. We're going to be talking a lot about the safety position. In fact, we're going to be talking all about the safety position as we're going to talk with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers, Jake Liskow of Locked On Bengals, and Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs about the safety position. Now, the big news throughout the course of the last week was safeties, and the big news being Minka Fitzpatrick's extension. So we'll talk with Chris Carter in the first segment about that extension, the value, the timing, and more. In the second segment, we'll be diving into what that actually means for another AFC North rival of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals with Jake Liskow as we talk about what that means for Jesse Bates, one of the better safeties in this league, who was also up for an extension. And then in the final segment, we'll move over to Ryan Tracy and talk about Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, and that Kansas City Chiefs secondary that did lose Tyron Matthews. So let's now dive into our first interview here with Chris Carter of Locked On. See those about Minka Fitzpatrick. Joining me here now to talk about Minka Fitzpatrick is the host of Locked On Steelers, Chris Carter. And Chris, I feel like this deal for Minka Fitzpatrick, I mean, it recessed the safety market. This was something that had to get done for the Steelers. How are you doing? Doing great, Kevin. It, it, it really was. I talked about this on the Thursday edition of the Lockdown Steelers podcast last week, right after this happened. But um, the Steelers needed to get this done. He, he's a leader. He's a playmaker. He's he's a two-time first-team All-Pro safety. You know, and, and you look at the you look at what's going on. I, I think the biggest impact of this, Kevin. One, I, I think people should understand this was not a surprise. The Steelers. We, we, I was at OTAs every day. I was at mini camp every day. Anytime you asked a coach or a player or anyone that ha- that was part of the organization, it was just like a foregone conclusion. This deal was going to get done. It was just a matter of when. And I think that the surprise to everyone was that it happened before training camp even started. The Steelers didn't want to go through an entire training camp last year, like with TJ Watt, who did a hold in, just didn't practice in full until they signed signed his full contract, which again, they were comfortable with last year. But I think they want to, with a new defensive coordinator, they wanted Minka Fitzpatrick fully ready to go and no questions being asked once they open training camp up in Latrobe in about a month. Right. And we'll talk about the specs of the deal in a couple of minutes, but Chris, that's where I wanted to start with you in terms of just the timing of the deal, because Mm -hmm. there was maybe, you know, did you expect this deal to happen a couple months earlier, obviously with the way that it happened, where, when did you expect this deal to happen? Because obviously coming before training camp, that is a big get for the Steelers to be able to get this done without having to go through that training camp without having Fitzpatrick under contract here. I honestly thought this would come later, maybe like right before training camp um, or even like like towards the end of it. Um, but 
you know, it, it makes sense. One thing that we have to understand, though, this is a new Pittsburgh Steelers front office, even though it's, even though it's going to look almost very much the same. You know, they got a new general manager in Omar Khan. Uh, he was a he was like a right hand man for Kevin Culper for 21 years. So, I mean, the guy, you know, he knows the Steelers. He's he's been the Steelers numbers expert for quite a long time. But I, I think the timing of it is. When once they got done with the business of rookie camp and then OTAs and then mini camp and then they knew Stephon Tuitt wouldn't be back, their next priority was to lock up probably their second best defender on the team behind TJ Watt, and that's Minka Fitzpatrick. And like you said, the timing of it's very interesting because Minka Fitzpatrick came in a very strong class of safeties, Jesse Bates. Uh, and Derwin James being other guys that whose contracts are whose rookie deals are, are are either up or about to finish and are on the market to try and negotiate for new deals. You see what's going on with Jesse Bates with the Bengals. There's maybe some not so happy grounds there. Uh, and Derwin James is a guy who's going to get a payday. And I think the Steelers for Omar Khan, this is a big move to get in front of those deals because uh, the rate that was, and again, this isn't exactly how they're getting paid every year, but the average rate of the highest paid of the highest paid safety was Jamal Adams 17.5 million dollars per year averaging out through all the years of his contract with the Seattle Seahawks. Minka's new rate that would go through at least the four years added on to this current year that he's that he's still on will be around 18.4 million dollars a year. That'll make him the highest paid safety by rate in the history of the NFL. The thing is of all those of those other safeties and anyone else that's that's trying to hit the, that's trying to test the market that is Minka Fitzpatrick getting in and he's the only one that has multiple first team all pros who's had those kind of seasons where everyone knows like, yeah, he's just been the base best safety in the NFL this year for the Steelers to get him before Jesse Bates could be around this rate. And then Derwin James to be even higher than that. This is going to save them, you know, so some, some money to, you know, for what they're doing. And reportedly this also knocked $2 million off their current salary cap number. So they're, they're going to even have more money to spend if they want to say trade for another big name player who might cost them some salary cap space. So ultimately the timing of this, it does make a lot of sense. It just, you know, based off of prior practices, we didn't expect this to come so early from the Steelers, but it makes sense when you put it all together. Yeah, the timing does make sense. And, and I mean, Chris, looking at the value of the deal again, four years, 73.6. Again, don't want to forget the 0.6 million dollars for Fitzpatrick, 36 million dollars in guarantees. How do you think the Steelers and also Fitzpatrick made out value was? I mean, great value for the Steelers. I mean, you get a guy who make a Fitzpatrick. It's not just his interceptions. It's where he is all over the field. You know, people are going to point, oh, his interceptions went down this year. Well, yes, the Steelers, when they lost Stephon Tuitt and Tyson Alulu and Devin Bush wasn't playing well because he was recovering from his ACL. There was the, the run defense folded, which means Fitzpatrick kind of had to help there a little bit more than he should have had to. He had the most tackles in Steelers history by in a single season by a defensive back. Um, but you still saw in many key plays, I guess, in the in the Ravens game and at the end of the season, a long pass down the sideline. He's playing cover two. He had to cross the, half the field to get there, but he still found a way to knock the ball out of Marquise Brown's hands. He just he knows how to read offenses. He knows how to to to, to study the game, and he's a heck of a leader that gets everyone kind of focused in around him. And since he's been on the team, the Steelers went from being one of the worst deep ball defending teams in the NFL a few years ago before he got to the Steelers to being one of the best consistently over the past three years. So uh, you, you look at what he's been able to do for the Steelers. They're, they're, they're like, that's a captain. He's 25 years old. to be 26 sometime in the middle of this season. You're getting that guy through for, for his prime all the way through 2026. 
that's great value to the Steelers. And if you're Minka, you're the highest paid safety in the league. You may not be, you know, when these next two guys sign their contracts, but you're going to be a rich man when this is all said and done. And you're doing it with a team. And he said, quote, I want to be with winners. And he, what, he's like, the Steelers, they're about winning. That's where I want to be. Yeah, and I know for Fitzpatrick, he is obviously one of the most important members of that defense. But Chris, are there any other extension eligible players that we could see down the pipeline here for Pittsburgh? Or was this really the last one that they needed to focus on? Now they have that done. Definitely wouldn't say the last. I suggest you go to read SteelersNow.com where I work. Uh, we actually had a report. Danny Smith, the special teams coach, talked about how Chris Boswell's contract is up. Uh, you know, him him and Tucker, they're 1A, 1B, man, in in in, in kickers and, and doing well in, in, in football. And his contract with Danny Smith basically said, oh, yeah, his extension is coming. So there will be an extension on him. The biggest question that I think a lot of people are asking now is Deontay Johnson. Will he get an extension? I, for one, don't think he won't get one before the season starts. And the Steelers have a notorious uh, 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 policy to not negotiate during the season. I, I think what you might see is if Deontay Johnson comes out and has a superific year, he finished top 10 in yards last year. He finished six in the receptions, six in first downs by receptions uh, last year in the end. NFL if he has a stellar year I could see the Steelers saying hey we'll franchise tag you and then see what happens after that after this season but if he has a mediocre year and you see him surpassed by Chase Claypool or George Pickens the Steelers might say hey we draft receivers all the time yeah we we, we, we can get another guy so I think you'll see Chris Boswell re-signed either before training camp or during training camp. I think you'll see Deontay Johnson kind of get the floater, but he'll still – and you'll see his next contract be determined by how well he plays in 2022. Right, and I know, Chris, for a lot of teams, in fact, every team, they value each position differently. And for Minka Fitzpatrick, somebody who plays safety – but it's also a versatile piece. Also, how important is he in this defense in terms of his positional versatility, what he can do on the field for the Steelers defense? Well, the biggest thing, Kevin, is that he's able to line up in several different spots and communicate and hold everyone else down. He he knows how to he's he's very much playing those chess games in his head that coaches play. Uh, you know, I could tell you if you if you just watch some of the videos, even just from the most recent practices, even when he's not working with a team, he's just there. He's behind the defense calling out plays, calling out adjustments, saying this is what's coming, this is what's coming. He's a student of the game, and he gets other guys to lock in like that. The Steelers don't want don't want to have to use him at the sub-package linebacker spot like they did a few times last year because they were just so hurt up at that spot. But they prefer to make him a center fielder. But what the Steelers are, do, are going to do, and I've been predicting this for weeks on my show, months even, ever since we knew that Terrell Austin would be the new defensive coordinator, they're going to have a lot of different looks this year that – that switch up the alignment of where their safeties and corners are lining up to try and confuse you so that you don't get one spot. Even Joe Burrow talked about during this past season, how Minka Fitzpatrick's a guy that when he lines up in one spot of the field, you cannot book that he's going to stay there. He's going to fly all over the place. You have to know where 39 is at all times. That's where the Steelers use him, is that chess piece. Put him where you think he's going to be at his best service and let him decide, let him use his football instincts to make those play plays. I would say, a little akin to Troy Polamalu, not as much because he's not the strong safety. He's the free safety. He's got more responsibilities on the back end. But the Steelers give him a lot of liberties to make the calls that he sees and make the judgment calls he sees to be able to make the big plays. And they're looking forward to having a defense that lets him make more of those big plays this upcoming season. Yeah, well, I know it was very, very important for the Steelers to get this deal done. Now, at least before Jesse Bates, before Derwin James, as you talked about, Chris, and now the Steelers have one of their defensive pillars in Pittsburgh for a very, very long time. Thanks so much for joining me here, Chris. Thanks, Kevin.
I think that the value for both the Steelers and Fitzpatrick on that deal, I mean, really good all around. Also, the timing, I think, was very important before training camp. And it does mean that Fitzpatrick is locked in as one of the Steelers' defensive pillars for a very, very long time now. Five years, if you include the last year of that rookie deal. We'll head into our first break here on Locked on NFL. Still a ton to talk about. When we get back, we'll be diving into what the Fitzpatrick extension means for Jesse Bates with Jake Liskow of Locked On Bengals. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find truly as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will line handcraft for perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. And if you're looking for fine jewelry, but if you're having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. They're available via phone or even chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners. Get $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrived in discreet packaging. They won't give away what's inside. Shop chest free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. We're back here. Our second segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostracker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to check out the ultimate NBA mock draft. It started June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. A Locked on NBA big board experts plus Odyssey insiders. Again, that first pick was on June 16th. So search the ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. But now we're going to dive into the Jesse Bates conversation, a big one with Jake Liskow of Locked on Bengals, what that Minka Fitzpatrick extension means for the Bengals safety coming up now. Joining me here now to talk about some more safeties is Jake Liskow, one of the hosts of Locked on Bengals. And Jake, I know Jesse Bates has been a very popular topic in Cincinnati over the last couple of seasons. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Jesse Bates should be re-signed. He should have been re-signed last year, and the Bengals may be reaping what they sowed when they didn't get that done. Right, and the price of safety is continuing to go up here. We've seen some very big deals happen over the past couple of years. Jamal Adams, Marcus Williams, and now Minka Fitzpatrick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So some AFC North safeties getting paid, and you know it feels like Jesse Bates should be the next one, should have been. The next one, I mean, what's going on in Cincinnati with this whole process? Because Bates has proven himself as one of the best safeties in this league, but still without a deal now and playing on the franchise tag as of this moment. I think the Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in the league is a really interesting point to discuss and will be interesting to talk about with some NFL front offices because I don't know if the NFL sees it the way that NFL media and some of the analytics companies see Jesse Bates and film grinders see Jesse Bates. Although I think if you talk to coaches, they would say, yeah, Jesse Bates covers up a lot of warts potentially in that Cincinnati Bengals defense which took some big steps in their Super Bowl run but you look around the safety market like you said Kevin 18.25 million for Minka Fitzpatrick per year setting the safety market a seven million seven hundred thousand dollars more per year sorry higher than Jamal Adams deal and across the board you're seeing total guarantees on contracts for safeties 36 38 33 35 37 million dollars and I think that is a primary sticking point. Jesse Bates changed agents to uh, super agent, David Mulligetta. And that tells you what he's looking for. He's looking for top of market money. He's looking for high guarantees. You look at what Mulligetta got for 
Deshaun Watson in a fully guaranteed contract in Cleveland. And I don't think that Bates is looking for a fully guaranteed deal, but he's looking around the NFL and he's seeing these guaranteed numbers for safeties. And he's thinking probably that he wants something in that range for guarantees. And I think he also thinks he's one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now, is he looking for market setting money? I'm not sure about that, but I think that you look at the Justin Simmons and Harrison Smith deals, 15.25 and 16 million per year, respectively. And Jesse Bates has been looking at those as a potential model for himself, or maybe the Marcus Williams deal at 14 million per year as a model for himself. And like you said, Kevin, the price tag just keeps going up as the salary cap and revenues continue to increase. This is why the the retrospective analysis continues to be the Bengals should have gotten this deal done when it looked like it was a no-brainer gimme putt last year around this time. Yeah, and Jake, is that part of the thing that Jesse Bates Camp is now going back to the Bengals with after this deal is the fact that the market continues to rise, the revenue share keeps going up, the salary cap now continues to rise. What are the main arguments that Jesse Bates Camp is going back to the Bengals with and saying, hey, more money should be on the table here now? I think that the the simple reality is Jesse Bates had a fantastic playoff run and was one of the best safeties in the NFL in the regular season in 2020. He had some ups and downs in 2021 that he will admit, and he talked about some of the, the issues with focus he had early in the season, but he closed the season so strong. I think the primary arguments are on the field, and you talk to any player in the Bengals locker room, and Jesse Bates is incredibly popular. He was a captain last year, voted on by his teammates for a reason. I expect that even with his absence through voluntary workouts this offseason, that he's likely to be a captain again this year, the way his teammates talk about him. And I do think that he will show up again. On the other side, I think the Bengals look at Jesse Bates and they say, going back to your first point about, are you really one of the best safeties in the league? I think that's where they're challenging him. And maybe that's not well received. And maybe this is, more well put by the Bengals brass than it is by me. But when you look at accolades, second team all pro for Jesse Bates in 2020 was on the all rookie team in 2018. And then you compare it to a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, who the Steelers traded significant capital for early in his rookie deal has two first team all pros in 2019, 2020, two pro bowls in those same years was a first round pick. And nearly the top 10 picked 11th overall back in 2018 compared to Jesse Bates, who was picked at pick 54 in the second round. So you compare the accolades and the awards that are given out by the AP and the draft status and all these things, which matters to NFL teams. And Micah Fitzpatrick clearly comes out as a player that you would expect to get paid more. You look at the way these guys play, very different skill sets at this point in their career, very different impacts on their respective defenses where Jesse Bates two years ago in 2019 or 2020, sorry, before the Bengals defense sort of had that talent injection via free agency was putting out fires everywhere and making the Bengals defense, which wasn't very good at the time, look better than it necessarily even was. But when you look at the accolades, you see a guy who profiles more like Marcus Williams from a draft status perspective, from an awards perspective, from a all pro pro bowl perspective, looks a lot more like Marcus Williams, who, to his credit, has a lot of rolling guarantees in that deal. $37 million guaranteed on that contract, $14 million a year. Is that offer even on the table from the Bengals for Jesse Bates? And if it is, would Bates take it? We've not necessarily heard that they've been close for at least a year at this point, and you would imagine that chasm grew with some of the contract safety signed. And 
maybe the Bengals looked at this market and saw Marcus Williams deal and said, you know, there is no market reset coming. Then the Minka Fitzpatrick deal came down and Derwin James could sign an even bigger deal for the Chargers, which could set that market even higher. The sooner the better, I think, for the Bengals in terms of this market continuing to grow, but it just doesn't seem close. Right. And Jake, you mentioned that you believe that Bates will show up again. And this is obviously his first year on the franchise tag now, assuming that no deal does happen. Now Bates has made his opinion clear at this time that we're recording here that he has no intention of playing under the franchise tag. But do you believe that he will show up and be on the field in week one if an extension is not signed by them? I think that if there's a holdout, I don't imagine it would go terribly deep into training camp this is life-changing money for jesse bates he's earned five million dollars in his career which is fantastic great money for anybody on this planet but you've made five million in four years you have an opportunity to play one year for 13 million dollars nearly 13 million dollars just shy i have a hard time believing he's leaving that on the table and and pulling the the second franchise tag holdout in the history of the league to leave that much money on the table. It doesn't seem like something that's in his best interest. And so while I think there's a negotiating tactic at play here, trying to push the Bengals to get a deal done with just under a month left to get that deal done, I do think that he will show up and will be ready to go. On the Bengals side, though, they clearly were prepared for this contingency with their draft plans, drafting two safeties, including Dax Hill in the first round in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, they certainly have a couple of options there. And Jake, I know when talking about Jesse Bates, there's a lot in terms of what he does do on the field. I mean, what what is his importance to this defense? You've kind of alluded to it, talked a bit, bit about the few things that he does, but how important is he to this defense and what he brings? Yeah, he covers up a lot of mistakes in front of him as one of the few true single high ability safeties in the NFL, I think at this point, at least at a premier talent level, premier performance perspective, you go back to the AFC championship game, for example, against the Kansas city chiefs ends up singled up on Tyree kill with Von Bell trying to get there underneath and plays the corner route perfectly gets his hand in to break up the pass, tips it to Von Bell for an interception. The Bengals go on to kick a game winning field goal in overtime. That's the kind of impact you get from the top end of Jesse Bates, sideline to sideline range from center field. One of the, in my opinion, premier center field safeties in football. He doesn't necessarily play in the box as well as a guy like Derwin James or even Minka Fitzpatrick doesn't tackle as well as some other safeties in the NFL, but I think is good at playing the run from his high safety position has some versatility at least in terms of being able to line up in multiple places on the field, but is best served, in my opinion, playing that single high, deep middle of field coverage role, at least as his primary responsibility. And I think he does that really well with great range, great instincts, and a really good feel for the game. There are obviously areas to improve on, as there are for most, if not all, players in the NFL, but the strengths that he does bring to the team allow the defense in front of him to at times be more aggressive and do more creative things because he's back there to potentially put out fires when things get there at the back of the defense. You know, the money has certainly been flowing this offseason for AFC North safeties and feels like Jesse Bates is next in line. We'll see how long the situation drags out between the Bengals 
in Bates, but it does seem like a big deal could be on the way. It's just a, a matter of, of when or if it depends on if the Bengals do want to give up that guaranteed money and just see where everything lies with that situation. Well, Jake, I appreciate you hopping on with me here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it, Kevin. And I do think it's an if more than it's a when. The bait situation is one between Cincinnati and the safety that feels like it could have a little ways to go before it ultimately gets resolved, whether that is an extension between Bates and the Bengals, or you have Bates leaving potentially and signing with another team. So that Fitzpatrick extension, it does have a lot of implications on what it does mean for Bates and his future in Cincinnati and what the Bengals might have to pay him as opposed to what they could have paid him before the Fitzpatrick extension. But we'll head into our final break here. Unlocked on NFL. Still a ton to dive into. I'm going to get back. We'll be talking with Ryan Tracy of Locked on Chiefs about that Chiefs secondary, including Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, and the departure of Tyron Matthew. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked on NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online and BetOnline.net is number one source for all your sports betting needs and stats, as well as info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf as well. So head over to the website today. Use mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we return here with our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you so much for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and also like this video on YouTube as well as follow us in audio form and follow us anywhere you get your favorite podcast. But now we're going to round out the show and the safety talk today by talking with Ryan Tracy of Locked on Chiefs. A ton of movement in that Chiefs secondary with the departure of Tired Matthew, the addition of Justin Reed and much more. So let's dive into that conversation now. Joining me here now, one of the hosts of Locked On Chiefs to round out our safety talk here today. It's Ryan Tracy. Well, again, one of the hosts of Locked On Chiefs. And Ryan, the Chiefs have had a very, very busy offseason. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in. How are you doing? It's it's a definitely a transitional year for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I know there's been so many moves to keep up with throughout the NFL, not just with Kansas City. It's been a world of an offseason, and we're finally starting to get into the, the football checklist of mini camps and OTAs. And obviously, we're coming up on training camp soon. But Ryan, the safety position has been one that I feel like is one of the more important positions in the league, but teams value it differently throughout the entire mm -hmm. NFL. And I know the Chiefs, they went over a little bit of a changing of the guard at one of the safety spots. Yep. Tired Matthew goes out, and you have Justin Reed coming in. Now, the contracts look pretty similar overall. You have three-year, $33 million for Tired Matthew with the Saints, three years, $31 million or $31.5 million for Justin Reed with the Chiefs. Now, Reed, you get a bit younger at the position, but Just a bit. what are the Chiefs losing in Tired Matthew, and what are they gaining with Reed? Well, yeah, there's obviously all pro experience with Tyron Matthew that you can't just go out and get. Now, the really interesting thing for me for the transition and what we've seen over there, because Tyron's only been in Kansas City a few years as well. So obviously Super Bowl year, the, the return trip where they ended and lost. Uh, he brings the experience to play all these different positions. He can play anywhere from single high all the way down to a blitzing nickel if you want him. And he's he's confident at a lot of it. I will say that it does feel like years have caught up to him a little bit in the last, say, 16 months, something like that. But you get that versatility. Now, the really interesting thing 
is Justin Reed has some versatility too. And he actually learned from Tyron Matthew when they were both in Houston. So there's, there's that changeover as we've seen the back and forth with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just that Justin Reed isn't a one-for-one -one replacement. Nobody is for Tyron Matthew. So you're going to have to have a couple of playmakers in a couple of different roles. And that's going to be the real challenge. And I feel like for the safety position as a whole, I mean, you can use these guys in all over the field, so many different mm -hmm. positions. And I feel like with Justin Reed, he can do a lot of that. But you mentioned it, Tyron Matthews, such a unique, special player. That's not saying Reed isn't a talented player, but right. I feel like with what the Chiefs have now, Justin Reed getting paired up with a guy like Juan Thornhill. And I think the Chiefs, with this secondary that has also added Trent McDuffie and a couple of other playmakers, they're in a pretty good position. But in terms of the safety position, Ryan, how do the Chiefs value that compared to potentially other teams? And how do they utilize that? You know, I, I think it's funny because the Chiefs don't play a high percentage of too high. I think they'll play more this season than they have in the past. They want to have a center fielder. Juan's done some of that. Tyron did a little bit of that. The idea was to be interchangeable. That wasn't always the case. So I do think they are going to go to more too high, but at the end of the day, it's about what can you do for the team. Juan Thornhill certainly has some high expectations. He expects himself to play at a career year. You hope for that. But that allows you to mix and match. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, the value is what you're able to do in designation and making quarterbacks think you're doing one thing and switch around going the other way. They are, I think last season, they were third highest in the usage of, of three safety dime sets. So they are one of the teams that value it even more so than most teams that we saw start playing those deep coverages and two high safeties. So the Chiefs were already out there. They're going to use rookie Brian Cook as the guy that's low in the box, and they're going to play around with Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, either staying split, mixing it up. They're going to jump in a robber. If everything goes like I expect, you're going to see some double robber out of them as well because they feel that Cook has the speed to do some of that uh, in addition but they want to play dime. They're almost more comfortable in dime than they are in nickel, to tell you the truth. And that's been more about the linebackers than the DBs the last couple of years, but that's coming along right now. As the linebackers are getting younger and more athletic, I think that allows the versatility. But I'm waiting for the rest of the league, who's been going to these high shells and staying in cover four and co deep cover threes, to kind of come around and place more emphasis on the safety in the next couple of seasons as we move forward, because I think that's the latest trend. And for, I don't know, for the last five, six years, it's been the safety's been the afterthought from the corners. What the Chiefs have concentrated on is we're going to get good raw talent. We're not going to overpay for corner. We're going to put our money into safeties that can play over the top and kind of help everybody and keep that blanket in front of them. That seems to be what they're doubling down on. Well, Ryan, you also mentioned that moving to the future and i know that the chiefs have a couple of extension candidates one of mm -hmm. those is juan thornhill and i know yep. with the chiefs and their salary cap situation which has been magnified throughout the entire league and fans how how do they spend all this money well the chiefs are going to have to make some decisions and juan thornhill is one of them do you expect an extension to get done at some point this is the last year of his rookie deal do you expect an extension to get done and what do you think it could look like money wise you know i i do expect an extension I don't think it's going to be the windfall that Juan wants. Uh, last year was very iffy. The team and the leadership on the defensive side of the staff really was pushing to get him to click. Now, he had an incredible rookie season. Outplayed Darnell Savage, who were the top two safeties on my board. And if you guys want to run down draft stuff, you can always jump over to Locked On NFL Draft with me and Eric Crocker because we run them all down. And we are in that, like, hey, what did you do three years ago and where did you miss? Well, I didn't miss on Darnell Savage or Juan Thornhill, to tell you the truth. 
But those two guys were competing, and then he blows the ACL, and he hasn't been the same player since. He started to pick it up last season. He's starting to come back, but they weren't like giving him the full load. They wanted to play Dan Sorensen, of all people, more than he should have been. And I'm sorry, Saints fans, you're going to have to see that because he and Tyron are going to be back together again, and uh, I, I can tell you how that's going to end. But I think now they're able to kind of move forward. I think Juan will get the best chance at a, a bigger contract will be in Kansas City, but it won't be top 10 money or anything like that unless he just completely flips the switch. And he's always in position. He's always a guy that you can count on to do his job. He keeps plays in front of him. He can be your center fielder. But what he hasn't done that he did in college is take the ball away. And so for him, it's about PBUs and interceptions this year. That is the number one thing for him. If he has a breakout season and combines for, say, 14 PBUs and ints together, um, then he could demand money outside of Kansas City. But my bet is he ends up with probably a three-year extension at around seven or eight a season. And that's probably the best offer that he's going to get. Whether his representation is going to go for that or not, that's a whole different concept. But we'll have to see what happens during the season. Yeah, And what do you think a breakout year for him would look like? What would you like to see out of him this year that could propel him into that breakout year that could get him a boatload more money than he would if he had maybe just kind of skated along here? Well, what we haven't seen from him is because Tyron was so good down either between the nickel and the robber spots, they didn't allow him to do that very much. When Tyron missed games, all of a sudden you saw it pop every now and then. So I think he will have more opportunity. That's key for him. But a career season for him is going to look like that 12-14 PBU, three interceptions. That's going to be his career mark that he is actually impacting multiple games himself and making those plays. If he does become a playmaker, that will get him paid. Yeah, it's it's all throughout the league. We've seen now this extension from Micah Fitzpatrick, Marcus Williams getting a big deal. We know Jabal Adams and Harris, all these contracts. Safeties can get paid if they have those breakout seasons and with the market continuing to get reset. I don't think Juan Foyne is going to necessarily reset the safety market, but there is money to be had there. And he's a very, very talented player. And obviously with Justin Reed next to him, that's a very formidable safety duo if both of them were able to get back and be able to be very, very quality players for that Chiefs team. But Ryan, I appreciate you helping all of me here today. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That Chiefs secondary, they have a lot of talented pieces. Obviously, the departure of Matthew might hurt in a couple different ways, but the addition of Reed, Juan Thornhill, and a bunch of other talented playmakers there, I think that will make up for it. And we'll see how that secondary ends up shaking out for sure. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back here tomorrow. We'll be diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We will see you right back here tomorrow.